it's Amanda. Welcome to the Thanksgiving episode of this Splendid Mess podcast. This week over on Substack, I've been talking about airing out our traditions. And let me just be clear, I love traditions. I think they ground us and they help to bring more meaning to our celebrations. But I also feel like sometimes we get so used to doing them that it almost becomes mindless. And then we get to the point where we're asking ourselves, why am I even doing this? And so I think stepping back from our traditions and honestly asking ourselves that question, why am I doing this, can be a valuable experience. Um, As we ask those questions, we may find out that we don't even like the traditions we've been blindly passing along. Or we may find new meaning in them that makes us love them even more. Or we might find that there's some we like and some we'd like to change. And all of that is okay. The important part is that you have traditions that you understand and love. Uh, For my family this year, Thanksgiving looks very different than normal. Between having a paramedic for a husband and having three older kids from a previous marriage, we're used to moving holidays around. I learned very early on after my divorce that the holiday had very little to do with the day on the calendar and everything to do with spending time together celebrating. Now, the reason that it's so different this year is that our younger two kids are getting to the point that they're old enough to notice that we're moving the holidays around before we might've had an early Thanksgiving dinner. And then when the actual day rolls around, we just kind of ignore it because we've already celebrated and they didn't know any different, but now they're order, older and more aware. And I feel like it's important to have traditions to share with them on the actual calendar, calendar day too. Um, so the most recent change this year included <laughs> cooking a duck for the very first time ever. And <laughs> you can read all about, all about that experience over on Substack. Um, Today, though, in this spirit of finding meaning in our traditions, I want to talk about why we actually celebrate Thanksgiving. And I know, I know, all of my American listeners have heard about this every year of their life since their preschool Thanksgiving meal. I get it. But I'd like to dive just a little deeper than the average schoolroom lesson and hopefully give you some new information uh, that you haven't heard before. Now, the information that I'm sharing is from a book that I've been Uh, slowly meandering through called The American Story, The Beginnings by David and Tim Barton. Uh, Now, when the Pilgrims first landed, it was November in New England. Now, this time of year, right now, if I pull up my weather app, we are in, well, here in Indiana is the same, but New England can be Lows in the 20s and highs, if you're lucky, you might reach 50. For me, that is not the kind of weather that makes me want to jump out and shout, let's go build a colony. And add to that fact that most of the pilgrims at the time were sick from the long voyage under very harsh conditions and a lack of provisions. And in fact, at the peak of that illness, only six to seven of the more than 100 pilgrims were even able to move around. And Governor Bradford actually wrote about them. And this is what he says. 
They spared no pains, night or day, but with abundance of toil and hazard of their health, fetched them wood, made them fires, dressed them meat, made their beds, washed their loathsome clothes, clothed and unclothed them, in a word, did all the homely and necessary offices for them, which dainty and queasy stomachs cannot endure to hear named, and all this willingly and cheerfully, without any grudging in the least, showing here in their true love unto their friends and brethren, a rare example, and worthy to be remembered. I love that. A rare example, and worthy to be remembered. That these few, this handful, willingly and cheerfully, without any grudging in the least, took care of the other a hundred or more individuals. Now, the authors of the book go on. Despite their best efforts, half the pilgrims died that first winter. Yet the next spring, when the Mayflower returned to England, not one of the surviving pilgrims chose to go back. They all stayed, for they had come neither for personal convenience nor monetary reward. They came for religious and civil liberty and to become what they called stepping stones for others to follow after them and do the same but perhaps with fewer hardships and greater success. I think it's amazing that after watching half of their friends die and surviving this horrid winter, none of them went back. Freedom was worth all of that all of that hardship that spring also introduced some help for them in the form of Somerset and he was a Native American who in was able to speak broken English and informs the pilgrims um, that the Native American tribe that had lived there previously had been wiped out by a strange plague before the pilgrims arrived and that the other tribes in the area wouldn't come near that place now because they feared that they too would be wiped out. Now, Samoset brings a neighboring tribe to visit the pilgrims and they form a peace treaty. And I feel it's important to note here because the colonists and pilgrims are villainized so much in our current um, teaching of history in the schools that the pilgrims actually purchased their land from the Indians with mutually agreed upon terms from both sides. Now among this tribe that Samoset brings is a native American named Squanto who was actually the only survivor of the tribe that had first inhabited that area before being demolished by the plague. He spoke fluent English and understood English customs and ways. And he was probably the only person in the world that was so perfectly and uniquely suited for the job of helping the pilgrims. And how he came to be that way is kind of a fascinating story. And this is how it's told in the book. In 1614, six years before the pilgrims arrived, Captain Thomas Hunt's ship was among a group of vessels exploring New England. When the other ships departed, Hunt remained behind with his crew and kidnapped 27 Indians, 
one of whom was Squanto. He took them to Spain and began selling them as slaves. Some Catholic friars learned what was happening and intervened, purchasing Squanto and the remaining Indians. They freed these Indians and introduced them to Christianity. At that time, the Catholics had a number of societies that worked to free slaves, whether they were native or African, black or white, Christian or pagan. From Spain, Squanto worked his way to England, where he remained five years, thoroughly learning the English language and customs. In 1619, he returned to his home in New England with Captain Thomas Dermer. On his arrival, Squanto discovered that a plague had killed his entire tribe. He was the last member left alive. No longer having a people, Squanto joined himself to the neighboring Wampanoag. When the pilgrims unexpectedly arrived the following year, he saw how woefully unprepared they were for the new land and knew that he could help these English newcomers. Everything he had experienced, all the tragedies that had beset him, had prepared him for that very moment. By the providence of God, Squanto now had a unique purpose for life. He would see that the pilgrims survived at the place where his tribe had not. I feel like that so encompasses where the focus of this podcast, that out of hard moments, amazing moments can come, joy and purpose out of sorrow. Squanto adopted the pilgrims as his new family and lived with them while he taught them how to, how to live with the land. Now, the first Thanksgiving would take place that second fall. With Squanto's help, the pilgrims pulled in a decent harvest. And to celebrate this first year of survival and to share their gratitude, Governor Bradford declared a day of Thanksgiving. And this is what they have to say about it. Grateful for their blessings, the pilgrims invited their Wampanoag neighbors to celebrate and give thanks to God with them. Chief Massasoit and some 90 of his men came and feasted with the remaining pilgrims. The pilgrims and their Indian neighbors dined on deer, turkey, fish, lobsters, eels, vegetables, cornbread, herbs, berries, and pies. They also engaged in athletic competition, including running, wrestling, and shooting. Chief Massasoit enjoyed himself so much that he and his men stayed three days. A common narrative today is that Indians hated colonists because of their land-grabbing practices and general racist disdain for natives. However, the first Thanksgiving shows this claim is both illogical and completely unfounded. After all, the 53 remaining pilgrims, so already pointing out that there were 90 Native Americans and only 53 pilgrims, were comprised of four women, 14 young boys and girls, 13 infants and young children, and only 22 men. On the other hand, the 90 Indians were all warriors. If there had been ill will, the Indians could have eliminated the pilgrims in a matter of minutes, but they did not. They were friends. The pilgrim's story is one of many demonstrating that modern portrayals of the early colonists are often inaccurate. By the way, this was not the first Thanksgiving in America. They had been several others prior to this one, but only on occasions of prayer. This pilgrim event birthed the tradition of Thanksgiving as a time that included not only prayer, but also feasting and athletic events. Shortly after this celebration, as winter was setting in, 35 new settlers unexpectedly arrived. They were family and friends of the pilgrims who gladly welcomed them. The new group brought no provisions with them, 
So the pilgrims freely shared their own food, clothing, and homes. But with the new arrivals, the remaining winter supplies were cut to half allowance for each person. It was difficult, but thanks to Squanto's help, they now better knew how to live in the New England wilderness and thus survived, having been more adequately prepared for this than their their second winter. Squanto would live about two more years before he became ill and passed away. So now you have a little more in-depth view of the circumstances leading up to that first Thanksgiving, and hopefully you learned something new. I know I did as I read up on this holiday. It's a wonderful testament that hard, terrible things can bring amazingly good things into our life and the lives of those we come into contact with. And you may just find yourself uniquely placed in a position to help. Uh, For all of my fellow Americans, I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. And for all my listeners, I'm so thankful for you and your willingness to join me on this splendidly messy journey we call life. You make my life a bright... Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like even more content, you can find me at The Splendid Mess on Substack. I usually post something new there uh, just about every weekday. Music for this episode is by Music Unlimited from Pixabay. Until next week, keep embracing your splendid mess.